One week until the madness, we're back. Kevin's Corner here on a Monday morning, a remote location on this, uh, what are we, seven days before legal tampering, nine days before the new league year. I don't expect a lot of news this week. If there is some, you all can thank me for that, but that's why we're recording on a Monday. Ryan Bowen, out of the bullpen, back in with us as uh, the Bowen family getting a little bit of away time. Ryan, thank you as always. Uh, great to be here. Uh, looking forward to doing the podcast again. I appreciate that. Um, we're going to get into positions of need. You know, this is really the last quiet period of the NFL. We'll see franchise tag. Um, deadline, I believe, is Tuesday. And then you'll see some cap casualties throughout the week. Again, I don't expect the Colts to be super active there. I know a lot of people have asked me that, honestly. You hate to, I guess, throw Ryan Grigson under the bus this early in the podcast, but it's because he drafted so poorly from 2013 to 2016. That's why the Colts don't have a lot of bad contracts. Uh, at the same time, Chris Bauer didn't give a lot of multi-year deals early on to guys that uh, are still around. You know, John Simon cut, Jonathan Hankins cut, Jabal Sheard. That contract played out. So that's basically why the Colts sit here without a lot of cap casualty guys. I think they'll be active in that department. It, getting you know guys from other teams so that'll be something to watch this week but uh today's pod we'll focus on again just ranking the positions of need we'll go one through ten we'll get in twitter questions as well and you know next week is where things get crazy really really get crazy starting monday i think the tampering period if i'm not mistaken starts at noon so that's when we'll get into you know agreed terms and all that stuff and chris and i will be back probably a couple podcasts next week if i was being honest so We'll see how everything plays out, but uh, you ready to get into it, man? Yeah, ready to. It, real quick, rumor Chris is uh, visiting some tattoo parlors in India. Oh, boy. Trying to scout out uh, future Kevin's Corner uh, sponsor as well as where he'll get his Bills tattoo. You know, Chris Presley has not been a man of his word. Uh, Chris does incredible thanks for this podcast, um, but he made it very clear on a Beers with Bowen night, I believe before the Buffalo Trace shot went down, that he would get a Buffalo, uh, was it a Bill tattoo or maybe the Bill's lettering on his foot? Yeah. And he has not followed up on that. So um, I don't know if he needs to take out some of the Tipsy Picks loan that he has started, his um, his betting uh, company, if you will. I don't know if he needs to, get to take a cut of that to contribute to a local parlor, but I know there's some great parlors in Fountain Square. I used to walk by them and never ventured into one of them, but Chris Presley, we need the tattoo, right? It, exactly, yeah, and it seems perfect timing to get them to sponsor the next Kevin's Corner and do it live on air, I don't, live on video. I don't know if the Buffalo Bulls are going to make the NCAA tournament, but this would be a wise time, I think, to go ahead and take care of that need. So uh, uh, Ryan Bowen to Chris Presley, he would like to see that tattoo. Yeah. All right. Ready to get into it? Let's do it. Positions of need. All right. Starting off, number one position of need for this coming season or offseason, offensive line. Yeah, you know, and I say offensive line here, Ryan, for a reason. Obviously, it's offensive tackle and left tackle would be the most pressing position. But let's not forget about the depth. Um, do you feel better about your depth on March 8th in 2021 than you felt on March 8th, 2020? Definitely. Because Danny Pinter has played in an NFL game. You drafted him in the fifth round. You know, Will Holden's a guy that at least got some run against a really formidable front in the Steelers, and he is still under contract as well. So I think you feel a little bit better about your depth, but come on now. You can't just act like that's enough. 
Um, so I think that's critical to acknowledge because while Carson Wentz isn't a statue like Phillip Rivers, I think Carson Wentz needs confidence. And having a better offensive line, having a well-protected offensive line, I think is where a lot of that comes from. So that's where I, I, I throw in here offensive line in this. Um, something I was I was on the fan morning show earlier today. We talk about tackle, Ryan. You know, it was brought up to me. What about Trent Williams? You know, the short-term stopgap, very expensive though. And I think that is kind of a byproduct of of what you're looking at with this left tackle dilemma. I think it would make a lot of sense to have that position be on the affordable rookie contract, preferably a first-rounder, where you have that fifth-year option. Because we've talked about the spending and the roster construction for the Colts before. It's not a normal roster construction. You don't have this absurd quarterback contract, major money at wide receiver number one, major money at left tackle, edge rusher, cornerback. No, no, no. You're paying many other positions, specifically on that offensive line. Ryan Kelly makes the most of any center in the league. Braden Smith is going to be due a well-deserved extension here soon. Quentin Nelson, we know that mega, mega deal is coming, you know, maybe next offseason. So I just think to myself, boy, then do you want to all of a sudden pay a left tackle major money? Or do you want to pay a left tackle whatever the 21st pick slot is, which is like, I don't know, a couple of million? I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. I mean, it, it's nothing extreme. And if you can get that guy to play at a starting caliber level and an above-average level, you could solve it for the long term, but then also for the next four or five years, have that that critical position on a really affordable contract. So I just think that's another layer to the offensive tackle debate that I wanted to hit on. And while everything you say is true, a question for you would be: <clears throat> Is it too risky to wait and not sign an offensive or a left tackle in free agency? Think he's going to be there at twenty-one, and all of a sudden you end up with a Tony Hugo instead of an Anthony Costanzo, or fair, um, and then. You're kind of you're not back to square one in that position, but you're having to give that guy too much help, which you didn't have to worry about that with Casanzo. Yeah, fair, very fair point, Ryan Bowen. Always a smarter Bowen brother, and he's showing that here early in the podcast. Um, the blueprint I laid out on last week's podcast. I didn't have a tackle in free agency. That's probably more of my preference than a Chris Ballard preference. I would assume. I still think if you go into the draft and you haven't made any sort of notable move at left tackle. I still don't think that locks you into tackle at 21. Again, if the board starts to fall and and all of a sudden, boom, there's Patrick Sertain, there's Caleb Farley, there's Kyle Pitts. I don't know. I feel like I've asked people have asked me about Devontae Smith falling to to, to 21. Like if that's there, you, 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 you can't pass that up. And you come back in the second round and you draft that dude, you believe in your scouting department, you believe in Chris Strasser, Kevin Mawai, now the assistant O-line coach, and you hope that that guy can be a day-one answer for you. Um, now, again, my preference, not Chris Ballard's. What I love about free agency, among many things, Ryan, is just the fact that we're finally going to get answers. For sure. You know, it's just like, okay, Waiting. you can tell us with your words everything. Actions speak louder. Um, so that will be something to watch here, I think, over the next you know 10 to 14 days. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. All right, let's move on to the second biggest position of need, defensive end. Definitely a position that has been a struggle for the Colts to uh, sure up in the draft under the Ballard regime. Yeah, could not agree more with that. It's been a really big disappointment with how many resources you've invested draft-wise. Um, I have this a lot closer to number one. You know, I, I know it's two on the list. I put it 1A. Um, 
and I think it needs a serious resource. I, I don't think you can dilly dally around with it. I think you got to commit something similar to quarterback on offense. I think edge rusher on defense can cover up and mask some deficiencies elsewhere. And I mean that specifically, I think a corner when you're going to play a heavy zone scheme, the ability to, to disrupt timing comes more from the pass rush to me than it can from the heavy man, heavy press, you know, sort of looks that you might deploy with that third level of your defense. So like you said, you know, Basham, Toure, Banigou, that's the reason this remains so high on the list. And I think it needs a lot. I think free agency, it can get something. We'll see how the franchise tags play out. You know, some big names in Shaq Barrett and Carl Lawson and company that could get that tag. But uh, I got this 1A. Yeah, it's uh, essential to get that shore up because it's just been wild how it's been such a struggle. And, and, and let me say this, Ryan, and when I say edge rush as well, I don't want to lose a sight of three-down ability. You know, that is a big just, thing. Yeah, you know, not just, okay, here's my 235-pound third-down rusher. Um, and I know that's tough to find. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and act like it's easy. But in this defense, that does mean a whole lot. And the Colts have been so good stopping the run here over the past few years. And I think the presence of guys like Shear in Houston, some bigger bodies – that have been out on the edge, I think helps helps you out there. Definitely. All right, moving on. The third spot is wide receiver, and I think this is a dependent whether or not T.Y. Hilton comes back. Yeah, and I honestly think even if you bring Hilton back, I'd like to see a little bit of move there. You know, that's what we talked about on last week's blueprint. Um, two things stand out to me, and, and there is a drop here. You know, I talked about offensive line and, and, and defensive end or edge rusher, you know, 1-1-A. One, one wide out drops a little bit for me. So I think two things stand out for me here. You need support for Michael Pittman, and I think you need insurance for the rest of the position group. Campbell, the injury history, we know. T.Y. Hilton, if you bring him back, you just you can't act like it's 2016. He's going to lead the league in receiving again. So um, a little bit more dynamic playmaking from the top end of the wideout group. And the beauty of it is this need falls in line with a lot of depth and free agency. And in the draft. So, uh, yeah, I got wide out number three. All right, number four, cornerback. Yeah, I found this interesting. I was doing some research. Um, Chris Ballard has yet to give a multi-year contract to a cornerback in free agency. That stood out to me. You know, we're now going four years. This will be his fifth mm-hmm. free agency here at the helm of the Colts. And obviously committed some resources to Quincy Wilson and Rocky Yassine. We can certainly argue um how successful those have been Uh, not very for Quincy and and Rock a bit up in the air but certainly a question mark going into year three Uh, last year Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey if I'm not mistaken those were the first outside corner free agents he signed in the in, in the heat of free agency you know early on and so I think that's something that's just like in this in this defense it's not a big big need you know it's funny I was on with um I think I was maybe hosting for JMV last Tuesday. I started talking about corner, and I mentioned how edge rusher can cover up corner. And sure enough, Rick Venturi pops up as my as my text, and he's saying, "Oh boy, I don't know about that. This team needs a corner bad." And, and you know, he's been very vocal about Rocky Scene and just the lack of um, uh, catch up speed or what recovery when recovery speed. Say, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is that is probably the the better phrase to use there. Um, and you know, when you look at the schedule next year and the whiteouts, oh my. And if that 17th game with Tampa Bay is going to be added, 
like it looks like it's going to be, <laughs> okay, here's Mike Evans, and here's you know Chris Godwin potentially if he comes back. Um, and we obviously know Tampa has got an explosive wideout group. So I think corner's still here, but it's just interesting how the resources have been somewhat significant in the draft, you know, a couple second-round picks, but then free agency, it really hasn't been a whole lot. Now, what has helped you is you got Kenny Moore and Pierre Desir originally on those waiver claims in 2017. That's what really helped you at corner. But um, I got this number four on the list, and this is probably the cutoff, you know, right? Like, yeah. you got these top four. These are the really critical positions. A little bit of a drop-off here, but um, I look at it probably more. Left tackle, edge rusher really close, wide out three, corner four. And then we'll get into some others okay. uh, coming up. Well, and, uh, great you brought up Rick Venturi. Just can't wait to hear more about the Morse Reservoir All-Star as we uh, <laughs> head into the NFL draft time. Oh, uh, this love is his hearing, time right now. love hearing all the hours of tape Coach watches in his basement. And uh, We should catch up with him. I think we're near him. Isn't he down yeah. Isn't he down this area? Oh, yeah, down here. Right? Yeah. I don't think you mentioned. We're down here in Florida for a little bit on right. the family vacay. So maybe a Coach can hop on the Harley and drive down and uh, we can meet up and you th- have a cold beverage out on the patio. You think Coach can join us for the back nine maybe one of these days? Gosh, what a treat that would be. Man, I could I see him just having a great short game. <laughs> All right, moving on. Position number five of me, tight end, which great little nugget from you. Colts have not drafted a tight end since 2013, the longest drought in the NFL. Really unbelievable they haven't pulled the trigger on a late-round pick. Yeah, and, and you know, I – when you say that, it's not like I ripped them for that. Like they yeah. still have had very fine tight end play, uh, but it is interesting that that position has meant so much to Frank Reich. Um, boy, 2013, homeboy Justice Cunningham, yeah. Mister Irrelevant for those out there. Back to back years, who was the Mister Irrelevant in 2012? Chandler Harnish. Nice, the pride Fort of Fort Wayne. Oh, come uh, on now, high school? Was he at uh, Lures? No, Dwanger. Norwell. Norwell. Darn it. Sorry. Norwell. Sorry. Uh, I think they're the Saints, maybe. Nah, Dwanger's the Saints. Okay. Uh, now Ryan's got to Google Norwell. Chandler Harnish, one of the great individuals out there. Um, it's been a while. This is more of a luxury, but I think last year I talked about pass catcher as such a need. I Like, if you don't seriously address wideout, but you go... What do you got? They're the Clippers. Oh, wow. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. Gosh, this is where I need Joe Wrights. He knows high school nicknames like the back of his hand in the state. Um, Sorry to throw you off the game here. <laughs> this is where I look at pass catcher and think, can you get something, you know, that maybe covers up where you don't have it at wideout. Um, you know, Jack Doyle fills a very specific role. Mo Alley Cox, are we still waiting? You know, I think there's been a few more signs that he's not just another Eric Swope, but can he give you a little bit more of that? Um, he's a restricted free agent, by the way. I, I would assume he comes back. Um, so, yeah, I got tied in here at five. Maybe a little bit higher than some people would have it, but you're a little older at this position group. And to me, it kind of falls in line with receiver. So that's why I have it as high as I do. Well, and um, just as much as they've struggled with the receiver's position, um, it just seems essential to get a quality tight end. And especially, I was surprised with uh, Rivers, who's going to accentuate not a downfield passing game. I'm surprised they didn't make a move last year um, with that, and I think it's a staple of Wentz's offense, not quite as much as Rivers. So Yeah, well, Wentz is a great seam thrower, which you would think the tight end's coming there. That's a good point you bring up last year about Rivers. You know, Trey Burton wasn't signed until we were actually playing golf, Plum Creek Golf Course, when Trey Burton, maybe that was when he had a conference call. But anyways, um, the Bears, 
you know, cut him a few days before the draft, and then the Colts pounced on it. So I would have been interested if the Colts would have gotten into the draft last year without Burton, how that might have shifted some things at that position. Yep. All right, moving on to number six, running back. I need a little insurance. I need a little insurance here for a position that has a lot of attrition. Um, you guys know I love Marlon Mack. We know the Colts love Marlon Mack. I think it should be explored that he comes back. Um, that sounded like a rhyme. I didn't make it. Uh, I wasn't trying to go there, but whatever. Um, just a little bit of something. Uh, nothing major. You know, Jordan Wilkins will be in a contract year coming up. Naeem Hines deserves an extension. He'll be in a contract year coming up. We know Jonathan Taylor is the unquestioned bell cow uh, at that position. So something, a little bit of, oh my, catastrophic injury to JT. Who can you rely on? And uh, that's where I would look at bringing back Marlon. Yeah, for sure. Just how well they hit on Marlon um, a couple years ago. Like you said, it's always worth taking a rookie running back every yeah. year. You know, doesn't have to be a super high pick, but it, it, if it's, you hit every couple of years, it, it makes it worth it. Yeah, it's interesting when you have six picks like they currently do right now, and I start thinking, oh boy, tight end in round four, round five is kind of something mm-hmm. I like. I'm like, oh boy, do you have room for running back? Now, I also look at this, and I don't know, maybe because Jacksonville's in the division, it's so apparent, but like they just had an undrafted running back finished fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, and I don't think he played the last two games of the year. So that is a position that, you know, go find, you know, Shakir Bell from Indiana State or whoever you want to throw out there, and he can hopefully come in and uh, provide some sort of depth for you from day one. All right, number seven position, most of need, linebacker. Um, What happens with Anthony Walker? What happens when you use the base personnel? We talk about three linebackers. That's when the Colts need to find an answer. Um, are you content with DJ Speed, Franklin, Matthew Adams? They're still under contract. Um, you know, I thought DJ Speed made my head turn a little bit last year on special teams. Is there more there? Um, this is when you play Derrick Henry. This probably is just a bigger need than maybe some other teams. Other teams that are so heavy with nickel. And I, I love when they go nickel because I just think Kenny is such a great tackler out of the slot. But you know, Derrick Henry has run over you a lot in his NFL career. And I don't think that dude is stopping. I just think he's a machine. So who is your third linebacker? Is it more of a thumper? Or do you look at Leonard Okariki and think if you have one injury there, now that guy is playing a whole, whole lot. So uh, we know Chris has drafted – no position has he drafted better at than, than linebacker. He's an absolute gem in finding those. Um, maybe that's something you go day three, kind of like Anthony Walker, you know, round five. Uh, but I got this just ahead of safety. Right, and with the day three pick, you find a guy that uh, also can contribute a lot on special teams, which right. would slide into the next position and need safety. Um, you know, whoever you're going to get at both linebacker and safety has to be able to play well on special teams because, like you said, more than likely they're going to be a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick, and they better be versatile. Yeah, that's obviously a huge part of it, Ryan, but I also think we haven't talked enough about the Colts didn't use their dime package, I don't think, at all last season. And if they did, it was less than 20 snaps. They used dime a whole lot the year before. I think the lack of a third safety they felt comfortable with contributed to some of that. I also think... You want to get Okariki on the field. So if you want Okariki and Leonard out there, that limits maybe going six DBs. But I, I'm i all about how many you know ingredients can I put in the kitchen for Matt Eberflus? How many things can he go to? And when you're in a division, or when you're in a conference that has a Darren Waller, that has a Travis Kelsey, 
you got to think about guarding tight ends as well. And so I, I feel like that is something to keep in mind of like, we know Kari Willis and Julian Blackman aren't going anywhere and, and they deserve to be, you know, penciled in as your starters. But besides George Odom, who can be that third safety that maybe you love? We know George Odom's one of the best special teams players in the league, but can you get somebody that maybe helps you out um, in the sub packages to where you might want to go dime a little bit more this season? So that's something to keep in mind at uh, at safety as well. But certainly Kari and Blackman, their ages and their youth speak for themselves. They're not going anywhere. Definitely. And that's a great observation about the dime um, packages from last year to the previous year. All right, our ninth position of need, quarterback. I mean, I got it this low for – I. Did you see Jacob Eason throw it the other day, right? You <laughs> that see that? That was a absolute bomb, a strike that he hit Pittman on that deep. Ooh, in Patman. Patman. It was Patman. Yeah, okay. Pittman Philman. Um, That's right. That was a howitzer of an arm. That is um, arm talent you can't teach. Twitter was a buzz. I had people saying, this is why you shouldn't have traded for Carson Wentz. <laughs> Multiple. I mean, a lot of guys look pretty on the driving range, but when they get on the golf course, that's literally was going to say, turn, "I'm turn like, you know, Kevin Bowen can hit three of five threes in warmups, but then he gets <laughs> in a game, and it's like, boy, that that elbow gets a little jelly-like." Uh, yeah, we, you know, we all can stripe it, and then all of a sudden they announce their name on the first tee, and the peg starts shaking as you put it in the ground. I mean, come on now. Um, I guess short shortly on that Eason video, like that is Jacob Eason. Like he looks gorgeous in those settings. It is. The arm, you can't teach it. Even if you put seven on seven out there, it's, it still looks pretty darn good. Um, Patman's another name I'm kind of curious about. He was such a raw player out of Washington State, but uh, you know we haven't mentioned him at all. Anyways, I got it this low because I just think Easton can be the backup. Right. If Wentz fails, if Wentz gets hurt, let's see what you got. Like, and I don't put much stock in that video because I've seen Easton make those throws, but like. That's why you want to see more. What What is there? Why, why was he rumored to be a first-round pick? Uh, it could have been, maybe, if he would have gone back to Washington for that final season. So, I've got it low. I don't think the Colts have it this low. You know, mm-hmm. who do you want? You want A.J. McCarron as your backup? You want, uh, are the McCown brothers still playing? <laughs> I mean, who, I mean who, who else? I mean, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. It's, um... Would you go veteran, or were you, would you be good with Eason? I'm fine with Eason. You worried about Wentz, though, and who that backup is at all? I mean, obviously, that that's a that's a debate for a whole other podcast about the, you know, it's kind of sad that somebody's worried about who their backup is and who's not. I mean, we're, you're a grown Especially man. Especially at that position, you know? That high in the, in the NFL, like, you better be pretty mentally tough, or you're not going to last. So, yeah. that's, uh, that's laughable to me, but... Ready to move on yeah, to the final yeah, yeah. position. Well, our yeah. last position, rounding out our top ten, which is all ten, is the defensive tackle position. Yeah, I feel so good about this group. Short term, long term. Um, Buckner and Stewart under contract for many, many years. And uh, you know, I thought Tyquan Lewis had a few more moments last year for you. And Taylor Stallworth, I thought, is another guy. You know, that was a re-signing very early in the off season, right after the year ended. So um, Rob Windsor, another name. He, he's got a little crazy in him, I think, which is good. And uh, he's a name that, that we should throw in there as well. Um, even though Sheldon Day didn't work out, I still feel really good about this group. And you mentioned Windsor and Patman, two different positions there. But again, guys that didn't benefit from not having had a preseason last year. So it'd be interesting to see maybe those guys would have played a little bit more yeah. this past year if they had had 
four games and a more full training camp. And so it'd be interesting to see if they're essentially delayed or postponed 2021 draft picks in a sense, because they just didn't get a chance. Same thing with Eason to, uh, I I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, That's a really good point. You would think Rob Windsor, you know, starting at Penn state, there wouldn't be much now he's in a very deep position group, but like you said, an impact and preseason can totally change how your coaches think of you and trust in you as well. The confidence you gain as a player, not just your coaches gain in you. So, all right, well, let's uh, head into Twitter time. we got quite the list of uh, questions to cool. uh, hammer out today. And just quickly, for those that maybe missed the blueprint um, for the offseason, that was on last week's podcast. Feel free to check that out. Positions of need this week as well. And, uh, yeah, let's get into the Twitter time. All right, number leading us off from DLG. Hey, Cabo, thanks again to you and CP for taking my question. Got one for y'all. Cornerback, edge rusher, wideout, you got to draft one. 21st overall, re-sign one. He lists Rhodes, Houston, Hilton. Sign one. Who are you signing? Go. I know I left a starting left tackle out, but let's just pretend Costanza comes out of retirement later on today just oh, for the sake what? of this little exercise. Dang. What has this guy been drinking yeah. this offseason? Or- DLG, selfishly, boy, I don't know if I've got that news cycle ready for me. I don't know if we want to come back for an emergency pod on that. Um I do love these questions. These are great. So he wants me to draft one, re-sign one of the own, and sign one outside the building. Yep. So let's start with the re-sign. You get okay. Rhodes, Houston, or Hilton. I think I'm bringing back Rhodes. Yeah, I think I'm bringing back Rhodes there. I assume I've got unlimited money. Uh, I'm going to re-sign Xavier Rhodes. Okay. And then the next question, which you can answer in either order, will be who you drafting and who you signing. So we've got... Cornerback taken care of, so okay. now we're worried about edge Ed rusher and whiteout. Okay. I'm going to sign Carl Lawson, like I've mentioned before. Um, I think he's got some toughness and some athleticism that I really like. And then uh, that means I'm drafting a whiteout. Now, who am I drafting at 21? Um, God, how many years in a row are they going to draft a whiteout? I know, but just because you've drafted a bunch doesn't mean you can ignore it. Oh, you I know? Know. But it's an indictment on how it's been drafted. Yeah, fair. Um Boy, really hope Devontae Smith falls. You know, I, I watched a Ooh. lot of uh, – I know, I know. That's, it, a low, it, that's a low way to fall for yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Do quarterbacks push him down? Do the tackles push him down? Who knows? I I watched a lot of Florida this year. Kadarius Tony out of the slot. Oh, my gosh. That dude's got a gear that – And uh, I know he didn't play in the bowl game against IU. It, honestly, it didn't matter. IU still lost. But Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is another guy that I really like. Um, just explosive playmaker with the ball in his hands and – those are two guys I start thinking about, man. Pittman and, and Campbell and, mm, boy, I sound like I'm probably running a Madden franchise. But DLG, yeah. I love the question. Thank you. All right, number two, John. Hey, Kevin. I know that wide receivers aren't giving the Colts a discount in free agency to play with Carson Wentz, but do you think a left tackle would give us a discount to play next to Quentin Nelson? I'm still team draft, but getting, say, a Taylor Moten for less than $15 million might really free us up to address edge rusher or receiver on the draft. Boy, <laughs> no. No one's given. <laughs> I mean, come on now. John, I appreciate the question, but no one's given discounts to play next to Quentin. I mean, like, it's a nice pro on the pro and con list, but you think Buddy Baker's saying, hey, man, I think you take $3 million less and you go to the Colts to play next to Quentin Nelson. I mean, these agents are ruthless. Right. And, and, and I, I don't blame them. I mean, yeah. You're, you're – Setting up your guy for the rest of his life. 100%. Um, so. And you're trying to recruit future guys, and you want to right. show them lucrative I sign contracts. The high, I sign the highest contracts. I take care of my guys better than anybody right. else. So 
Yeah. There's, there's no discounting unless you're Tom Brady and you just, you know, absolutely killed your career. And right. Hit a home run with everything and you just want to win another Super Bowl and you'll take a little bit of a pay cut. You know, I think this question, again, comes down to this. You know, so many people ask me, oh, the Raiders just cut a guard in Gabe Jackson or Incognito might be cut. Do you think they would come here and Nelson could bump out the tackle? To me, what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and Chris Strasser and those guys have to figure out is, can Quentin Nelson play left tackle? That's the first, like, before you think about this guard might be available, Rashawn Slater might fall to 21 and he could play guard. Like, before you start thinking any of those crazy scenarios, you you, you think to yourself, can Quentin Nelson be a long-term answer at left tackle? you got to commit to that first before you explore any of this other stuff. If you're hesitant on that, you keep your Hall of Famer at left guard and you go find a left tackle. Yep. All right, Curtis. Hey, Kevin. So random thought of the day. I keep seeing Colts fans saying how we need an explosive gadget guy for our offense. What are your thoughts on why we don't use Hines more in this way? Obviously, we hope that Paris Campbell stays healthy and can do that, but we can't rely on him. Why not Hines since he seems to have a knack for yards after the catch? That way we also don't have to worry about him only seeing the field when Taylor isn't on the field, which would also keep a defense more honest since we usually only throw when Hines is in the backfield. Always love the work you guys do. I appreciate that, Curtis. Um, you know, why not have more? <laughs> you know, I, multiple gadgety guys. You know, you, you, I get it. You only dress 46 on game day, but the more the merrier to me. And, you know, this will sound like a rip on Naeem Hines, but he'd be the first one to admit it to you. His first few seasons in the league, he got a lot of touches. Luck threw him 60, he caught 63 balls from Luck as a rookie, and he just didn't create stuff on his own. Now, was some of that, you know, an inability made of the offensive system to create a little bit of that? Sure, but I think Hines would be the first one to tell you as a runner and as a receiver, he didn't do enough from an explosive standpoint on his own. Um, when I say explosive too, I don't mean, sure, it's speed, but I'm talking about dudes that just rip the ball away from people and run through a tackle and turn 12 into 21. Like, those are explosive elements as well. So, I get it. Hines is a big piece of this. Campbell's a big piece of that. But still, the more the merit. And I think Michael Pittman is a big yak guy. I think we saw that, certainly in the in the wild card game. Um, so, yeah, Curtis, I hear you. It might be a little bit too rich, you know, to contribute a lot, but... I think you need to help out Carson. Yep. Uh, David, for the record, I'm not mad at the Carson Wentz deal. I've talked myself into it. But looking back, would you still have brought in Rivers? Knowing we made the playoffs as a seventh seed, had this been last year, we would have been outside looking in. We lose in the first round again and potentially miss out on a top 10 pick and a shot at a young QB had they not brought Rivers in for just one year. Was it worth it? Would we be better off in terms of the future had we passed on Rivers? Huh. Um, you know, David, I'm probably in the minority. I would not have brought Rivers in. Um, I feel like we just knew his ceiling. Philip Rivers had a really fine year. Um, was not the reason why the Colts lost, or wasn't, I should say, the top one, you know, one of the top reasons why they lost to Buffalo. But you know the ceiling. And you know when you get into playoff games and the margin for error is slim and you might get behind. This is not a guy that showed this season, or there were questions certainly, about this offense being able to lead a fourth quarter comeback or win consistently in the month of January 
and I just think we we knew that. So um, if I know that my ceiling at quarterback is short of deep January, early February, I don't want the Band-Aid. And so that's why I would have looked into trading up. Now, obviously, DeForest Buckner, you know, s- speaks for himself in the type of production that he gave you. But, you know, would you take Justin Herbert or would you take DeForest Buckner right now? Now, maybe it's not that easy, but that's kind of the sort of dilemma that you I played out in my head around this time last year when the Buckner trade became official. Um, or, you know, even Tua, which, you know, the jury's definitely still out there. It's, you know, I... I I get this question a lot with the Pacers going on a recent slide. To me, the Rivers thing was similar to the Nate McMillan thing, and that was Nate McMillan one and eight in his career in playoff series. Like <laughs> the book is the same in Seattle, Portland, or Indiana. Like we, we know this. The Pacers led for eleven freaking seconds against the Heat. Eleven, Ryan. The games are forty-eight minutes long, and there was four of them. 11 seconds. Like, it, it, it's just like, this is not a third-year coach. This is not a first-year coach. This is not a coach that is maybe in a toxic environment with the Jets and now coming to a vibrant organization with the Colts. No, no, no. We've seen it across multiple organizations. We've seen it across multiple decades. Same thing with Rivers. Yes, the Chargers, I don't look at them like I look at the Browns or the Jets. Of re- I mean, they had a lot of talent around Phillip Rivers for several of those runs. So to David's point, when my goal, and I'm talking Kevin Bowen, is to make deep January runs and to win Super Bowls, was Phillip going to raise the floor on the ceiling? Yes. Was he going to get you there? No. So when the question says, will we be better off in terms of the future? Had we passed on Rivers? I think so. Now the Colts would counter and say, oh no, he did a lot of leadership for us. He instilled, you know, a work ethic and a professionalism that'll help our locker room moving forward. Okay, great, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's some truth to that. But if you're going to stunt the most important position in sports, I don't think it's worth it. Well, it's not just your goal. I mean, Jim Irsay every time he has a chance to speak publicly, just screams from the rooftops, multiple Lombardis, and that's their north star. So that right, if everything should be funneled through that lens, whether it's organizationally or it's fans and media, because that's the constant message we're getting from the upper level and it doesn't not that what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich say doesn't matter but when Jim Mercy is continually throwing that out there we should evaluate these roster moves or lack thereof in that lens and I agree Rivers did a lot of good but he doesn't move you closer to that he only stunted it for at least a year um, if not potentially more by David's point because you aren't going to be drafting as higher and if you kind of have to break it down black and white you're either got a real legit shot at the Super Bowl or you don't. And if you don't, you better really benefit from it by having a higher pick, not a middling 21st pick. And that was, yeah, extremely well said. I I could not have said it better. Um, Yeah, it might sound harsh. might be a little bit tough on the reality. It was 11-5 season. I think it was enjoyable to watch, especially with the year that we just went through. Um, There's a lot of great stuff to come out of it. But to David's point, yes, I think it hurt you a bit in the future. It didn't kill you by any means, whatnot. Like, we'll see how the Carson Wentz thing plays out. But, yeah, it did It did hurt you a little bit. For sure. All right, move on to Tal. 
with Ballard's recent misses in the draft on edge and corner, do you think it makes more sense to be aggressive in free agency for those spots? Or do you think the misses had more to do with where we picked them? Thanks. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. To his second point, I don't really understand that. Do you think the misses had more to do with where we picked them? I don't think there were major reaches. With I mean, I think, you know, even though Kamarco Terry had a lot of didn't really have a lot of production sack-wise at Rutgers. I think the traits people are obsessed with, and he would have gone pretty close there. Um, I will say I want proven at edge rusher. You know, uh, I want – boy, I don't even know who the defensive coordinators are in the uh, in the division anymore. Uh, Anthony Weaver got fired. Uh, yeah, they all got fired. Or they all either left or got fired. Dean Pease is gone. Um, I want my defensive coordinator – excuse me, I want my offensive coordinator – to think twice about who my edge rusher is in week one come September. Um, I think you can be aggressive with both as well, but I would say that edge rusher more, I just think you want a little bit of proof. I think it takes edge rushers a little bit of time, more yeah. so than it takes corners. Yeah, I think. Especially if, in this scheme. If you had to rank the two, free or the edge spot is the key in free agency. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you got to shore that up ASAP. And there are some guys. Now, we'll I mean, see how yeah. the franchise tag plays out, and that'll be a big thing. But there are some dudes. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, will the Colts offense see any changes under new offensive coordinator Marcus Brady? Trevor, I, I don't think a whole lot. You know, uh, Obviously, Frank's still calling the place. It's Frank's offense. Now, with Marcus Brady's background in the CFL. By the way, did you hear our Marcus Brady interview that we had a few, a few weeks did, ago? I did, yeah. He's a hooper. <laughs> he is. He's a hooper. I think he hoops with some of the um, some of the crew up there at uh, at Garen. He he can hoop. Shout out to Bobby Allen and the Flying Eagles and and Joe Wrights uh, heading down to Greencastle to snip a few more nets come Saturday in the regional. Uh, Marcus Brady is a competitive human, um, was what I gathered. But Marcus's background in the CFL, bigger field, more spread, more RPO. I mean, I, I think the RPO is probably the biggest stuff. Now Frank has run a lot and did it with Carson. And even a little bit with Andrew, but I don't think it's much there. Um, I don't think it'll be just like a huge, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's all of a sudden Marcus Brady's like, oh yeah, Frank, this is a chunk of the playbook you've never touched before. Let's implement it right now, and this will be a huge difference. Now, um, I do think there'll be a lot of new ideas thrown in when you bring in you know, the new quarterbacks coach, with Scott Milanovic, yeah, mm-hmm. for who's had extensive CFL experience. Obviously, you bring in... Um, press uh, uh, press Taylor yeah. Taylor from from the Eagles. So while you may not see, I don't know, it, it may not be crystal clear on the field, but you have four voices um, in that room with Frank and Brady and the two we mentioned that I think will just throw a lot of stuff up on the wall and see what they really like. And there'd be a ton of debates. And then what actually comes out of that uh, is to be determined. But uh, one thing I will give right credit for is there will be a lot of interesting and uh, creative thinking and yeah. in terms of how it's actually executed. That's to be determined. No, I think that's a really good point. You know, you get some fresh minds, some fresh voices in there, voices he clearly respects. Scott Milanovic and Press Taylor, they were on his resume back when, or on his radar, I should say, back when he took the job in 2018. These guys aren't out of the blue. So I think Milanovic and Taylor, you know, maybe not challenging right, but certainly let, let's be innovative. Let's be collaborative. Let's, Throw some stuff and you know see if it finds its way into the end of the uh, playbook. Yeah, and my last thing on that is, you know, I don't always agree with play calling and some of the um, execution of stuff, but uh, well, welcome uh, to Colts Twitter. Yeah, but I uh, will say uh, 
it's not for a lack of – I mean, Frank is always uh, expansive in his evaluation and, and thought um, process of putting these things together. It's just yeah. the execution is, I think, where the fans – Disagree and, and myself, but um, I they aren't fly by the seat of your pants sort of decisions. Yeah, it's better than the people that are like, we have five plays and we run these five plays. Yeah. So. All right, uh, interesting one here from Sergio. What's up, Kevin? It's Kevin's Corner Podcast Day. Let's I go. Hope, <laughs> I hope you, Chris, and your families are doing good. I'm locked in my room fighting COVID. Oh, sorry oh, to hear boy. that, Serge. I think the Colts should get an experienced offense attack on free agency and a young one in the later rounds to develop in the near future. I think it's dangerous to go to draft day counting on solving such an important mm-hmm. position. What do you think? And have a great day. And Sergio, we hope you uh, yeah. get feeling better soon, buddy. Yeah, in all seriousness, best to you and your family, Sergio. Yeah. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Sergio's from Brazil. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly thinking about you guys and, and know that there is some light, hopefully, at the end, end of the tunnel here coming up. You know, this is interesting. This kind of goes a little bit counter to the earlier comment that we had. And, and I think you, you brought that up, Ryan, about tackle potentially in free agency just to make sure that you don't go into the draft needing, you know, almost showing your cards. Um, so I, I can hear you relying on, on that position. I also just think you've got to look at the depth of that tackle class in the draft. You know quarterbacks and receivers are potentially going to push down some of those tackles. And I I don't know. I don't think it's a huge risk, to be honest with you. I get the experience idea. I get the stopgap. I get the develop. All of that makes sense to me. Um, and you would be adding depth, if nothing else. Um, but I think you just got to rely on this tackle class and believe in it and think that you're getting the next Costanzo or the next Tar Glenn. It's interesting. Zach Kiefer wrote a great piece. I don't know if you read that Ryan on Tar Glenn and the athletic. I didn't realize Tark started his NFL career out at guard. I didn't know that. I haven't had a chance to read uh, Zach's piece. He does great work, but yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought he was just kind of, you know, here's the blind side for mm-hmm. whoever it's going to be. But, um, yeah, that's a, Sergio. It's a good point. I don't think you're showing your hand too much. I, I, I don't panic with that as much as I think you are concerned about. Mm-hmm. Next from big Bama, rather than the Colts resign T Y Hilton or not, do they still need to look at a slot receiver in the draft or free agency? I think this is a missing element in the offense because most of our guys are outside receivers and not true slot receivers or do the Colts not truly value slot receivers. Well, I think Paris Campbell, <laughs> you know, is, is supposed to be that guy. Um, no, I mean, I, I think they value. Obviously, they like to move guys around. You know, I, you know Campbell, you know, he can be such a big part of the offense from crossers, yak stuff, mismatch. You know, I, I think back to the fourth and one that Kansas City had against Cleveland in the playoffs and where Biennemi and Andy Reid say, all right, Tyreek, you're going in the slot and we're going to get you an advantage there and we're going to win one-on-one. And, I mean, boy – have you seen a receiver create that much separation on a fourth and one play? I mean, that was textbook. Um, so I do think that's something that slot matters a whole lot. Now, the counter to what people say was, Kevin, you've been the one that's mentioned you can't rely on Paris Campbell to stay healthy. Okay, sure. Um, and I think you've got the big body in, Hil- in um, Pittman. So, you know, I, I think you can go out and get another kind of explosive slot type of guy that can still play outside. And you can run some stacks or get some free releases with that guy as well. Uh, but Campbell's supposed to be the guy. So I don't think, like, they don't value it. Like, Paris Campbell's supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. 
Alex, question for the pod, which is great, by the way, he says. What's your Thank thoughts you, on players like Mike or excuse me, like Mark Golowinski, Jared Veld here? I think Glow is a solid player who doesn't give enough credit. Is that just another case of a player slipping through the cracks or just a plug-and-play piece who has had solid players next to him? And is another cheap, decent veteran like Glow, Veld here, sustainable at left tackle? Well... I guess I don't really understand what Alex is asking too much here. Jared Veltier is not on the roster. Right. He went straight to the Packers after right. the cold season ended, and then that yeah, and he got didn't, COVID. Work, didn't work for him. Um, you know, Jared Veltier came back the last two seasons to play on playoff teams. Is he coming back to be a backup? Right. So I think Glowinski is a nice waiver claim. Had a really solid season last year. He played every snap. Only, only player on the team to do that. He's a free agent in 2022, so... You know, Veld here, I, 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 I wouldn't bring him back to be the starter for 16 games. Does he even want to do that? You know, again, this guy has been retired until December each of the last two seasons. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't totally understand it, Alex. To be well, honest and with. I think if you gave Bauer some truth serum, he, he would say Glowinski has exceeded his expectations. So, like, you can find another cheap guy out there. They're a dime a dozen, but. Um, are they a Mike McGlynn or are they a Ugh. Mark Lewinsky? I mean, you, they're a flip of the coin a lot of times. I mean, I'm sure Chris obviously saw something in Mark, but I would think Mark has totally exceeded his expectations. So yeah, it's it's risky, and and Lewinsky has hit for um, has Ooh. hit for Ballard, whereas Samson Satelli and well, we drafted Satelli, but Gl- no, he was a free agent. Okay, so Satelli and McGlynn were we bust and um, waste. Call it Holmes for, or. Uh, so Hugh Thornton. Yeah. I'm talking strictly the free agent route. On yeah. The offensive line. So I'd rather take a risk at right guard than take a risk at left tackle. Yeah, I would agree. So, all right, moving on. Mitch, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, and now Russell Wilson have all requested trades because in part of their organization's failure to protect them. Do you think Andrew Luck's retirement influenced any of this? Did the retirement of a generational QB after his organization failed to protect him set a new tone slash approach for franchise quarterbacks? Mitch, I appreciate the thought. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, part of it, I think, is just the state of society these days. I think it's a little bit NBA-influenced, to be honest with you. I think the NFL is trying to be a more player-controlled league, and they definitely don't have the same say that the NBA does. And I also think this is something that's just – these things are more public. Like, it's just easy. You know, you're Russell Wilson's agent. You text Adam Schefter four teams – and Adam Schefter goes, all right, I just led 6 o'clock news, and my bosses are thrilled with me for the week because <laughs> I had this nugget. Like, you know, 20 years ago, if Peyton went into Napoleon's office and said, you know, whatever, we're drafting, you know, Adam Meadows is over, his, over the hill or whatnot, like, does that get out? Right. I, I, just, I don't know. Is Tom Condon calling Mike Chappell and saying this, that? I, I don't think it's just the same news cycle that we live in. I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Andrew has that much – you think Andrew's situation has that much? I don't. And, like, with Watson, while the Texans' offensive line is terrible, I think much more of his issues is with the ownership right. and being promised things that um, never came true. Um, so I think his situation is different than Wentz and Luck and Wilson. And um, So it's it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. I understand where you're coming from a bit, Mitch, but um, I think Watson's um, – I mean, it's just a train wreck down there on the field and off the field. Um, and Watson's issues are greater with, I think, the off-the-field stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a good thought, Mitch. Maybe a yeah. little bit. Um, hmm. 
I haven't really thought too much about it, to be honest with you. It'll be, you know, I think I've said this on the past couple pods. I, I, I now am probably thinking Deshaun Watson will get traded. I think he's so dug in the sand. And I don't think, and the McNair family are such idiots for hiring Jack Easter being continuing to employ him that if they, if that's the route they're going to go down, I don't think Deshaun Watson comes. This is an ownership down issue. Like it'd be one thing if this is, you know, whatever head coach issue and you can make that fire an offensive coordinator issue. And you can make, I mean, we're talking, the owner ain't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be fascinating to see how that plays out. All right. Our next question. uh, We got similar ones from both sincere and Isaac. I know we have our QB for at least the next year or two, but here's a hypothetical for you. Colts get the 21st pick of the draft, and let's say a QB they wanted actually was still on the board, not Lawrence or Fields. So let's say Trey Lance, since he was linked to the Colts for quite some time, slides in the draft. Do you think Ballard would draft him or any other QB they thought might not be available at the 21st spot, maybe as a future QB or backup to sit behind Wentz for a year or two, like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type thing, knowing how Wentz performed after the Eagles drafted Hurts? Juicy. I mean, this is, boy, you talk about, can you imagine Frank Reich making that call to Carson? <laughs> God, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, uh, yeah we're going to draft a QB here at 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. No. Yeah. If you're worried about Carson Wentz mentally, you think he's fragile in any way, if what you're hearing about his displeasure and Jalen Hurts being drafted, no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> as much as I'd like to see it happen, you can't do it. Plus, you know, also, I think you're – yes, you, you acknowledge that Carson Wentz could only be a one- or two-year thing, or a two-year thing, I should say. I mean, he's only 28. Like, you hope he's a quarterback for the next decade. I know it's a perfect world, but, God, that's juicy. You made that move for Wentz with the expectation this is not a two-year thing. Right. While the contract is structured that way, that's not the expectation. Yeah. Louisiana guy. Hi, Kevin. With the year that Wentz had last year, do you think that will affect any big-name wide receivers from coming to Indy, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, etc.? And what do you think we will do with the 21st pick? Last, do you think we will ask Wentz to restructure his contract to free up some cap space? Thanks. Love the pod. Uh, Thank you. No, I don't think they're going to restructure. That's a very affordable contract. It's not really needed, honestly. It's below average uh, in the NFL. I, I... I don't think too much, to be honest with you, to your first point about big wide receivers coming here. Like, again, m- money talks. Like, where's the most money? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could make the argument that Carson Wentz is the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with. Allen Robinson's played with some sorry, sorry quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think it'll matter too much. Damon, are our chances at landing an Allen Robinson tier wide receiver directly tied to T.Y.'s landing spot? Is it even possible to have T.Y. and Robinson on the Colts in 2021? If so, what would everyone's role be? I assume we'll bring back Pascal. So would he be our wide receiver five? Thanks, KB and Chris. Yeah, Pascal's back. He was re-signed. That's a whole lot invested, Damon, at wideout. A whole lot. I mean, again, $43 million. So what's Robinson getting? 18? Maybe that's on the short end. So he gets 18. T.Y. getting 10. So there's 28. You got $14 million left. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see it happening. Um, I think if you're Chris Ballard and you want to stri- and you want to try to swing for a home run like Robinson or one of those guys, you go make that decision before you make the Ty decision. You know, you you tell Ty like you've told him, go see what the market is and then come back to us. Mm-hmm. So you go and swing, and then you know see what happens with with the ghost. Yep. 
Next question is from Dad Talks, and shout out to our dad who made a great breakfast here this morning on our uh, vacation. Brad Bowen, he's whipping it up. He did, put a lot of effort into it. We appreciate it. Hey guys, love what you are doing on the podcast. I have two questions. The first, knowing that Jacob Eason is training and seeing some of the videos of his skill set, oh boy, why is Ballard not willing to give him a chance as a starter? Secondly, signing Carson is a great move, but wouldn't it be cheaper to draft a QB in the draft or just start Eason? Do you think Ballard is afraid to draft a QB in the first round? There have been two pretty solid QB draft classes in the past two years. Just one of your thoughts. Hey, this is what I was talking about earlier. Right. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I was thinking of the Eason video, Ryan, and it reminds me of me as a golfer. Like, I'm never going to show people video of me chipping because I'm not a good chipper. <laughs> you know, I'm going right. to be like, hey, well, I think I can hit a set seven iron, and I, I think the driver goes relatively straight. Let me show that, and then, you know, you, you'll never see my chipping unless you're in my group. That's kind of Eason. It's like, yeah, no one wants to watch the 11-on-11 11 11 film of, you know, a game uh, in the Apple Cup against Washington State. They just want to see the video of him throwing a Desmond Patman. Um, and like highlights, I mean, Jacob Eason couldn't look better in highlights. Like that's his thing. It's, it's beautiful to watch. So look, this is just a lot of just hype, hype, hype. Like you drafted Jacob Eason in the fourth round. I've talked about it. Go back and listen to the pros and cons podcast on Jacob Eason last summer that we did late spring. It lays out there of the good, the bad, and the questions. And to your point, I guess, I don't think, which I get this, I don't think Ballard and the Colts want to commit X amount of games to a project. Like, th- that's a big commitment. There are not many NFL organizations. Find me NFL organizations that start fourth-round picks early in their careers like Jacob Eason is. I can't think of many off the top of my head. So I just think that's where they are, I don't know, hesitant, afraid, Um they don't want to be super patient. That's that's fine. Like I totally get that, but I and to your point about the first round quarterback, I'd say Ballard is more hesitant than most GMs. I think about drafting a QB in round one, but the Colts have also not been in like the super most advantageous position to draft one either. I think it's a huge factor that with the first round draft picks because the way this regime has played out is not the typical. Usually, a new GM and a coach come in because. They have to go find the QB. Right, and so the expectation was Luck was going to be around for the next 10, 12 years, and then a couple of years later, all of a sudden he's gone, and while Ballard and, and Reich were not on the hot seat the year Luck retired, it also wasn't like, hey, we're going to draft a guy and sit around and wait for five or six years, and so they they kind of went for the quick fix with Rivers and now with Wentz, and to start that clock this year on a, or even last year on a first-round pick, um, just pushes the multiple Lombardi's uh, reality down the line a little bit farther and maybe too risky for, for Chris's liking. So he'd rather get the what he thinks is the sure thing in the free agent or the trade quarterback market and use that first-round pick to another position. So. You, you know, the, the drafting of Eason is interesting, Ryan. You drafted him with the notion that you might never see him play for you. Like, that's part of the thought there of, like, Okay, Okay. he's a fourth-round pick. He can be a backup. Um, but if we go from Phillip to whoever, and now it's Carson Wentz, 
Like, you might never see Eason, but at that position, you take a chance like that. Sure. Because if an injury happens or the season bottoms out, you want to have someone else in place with some potential, and that's what you have, continue to have, with Jacob Eason. And to your point, can't wait to see the preseason. Yep. Caleb, hey, Kevin, I just had a quick question about Colts free agency. What do you think about Jadavion Clowney? I know he's had some injury and production issues, but I think because of those things, we could get him for relatively cheap, maybe two years, $13 million deal. Get him with one of our team doctors and training crew to keep him healthy and pairing him with Buckner would cause him to get more one-on-ones. I think it would be a great addition to get him in Matt Eberflus's defense. Yeah, two years, 13 mil. I think he made 13 mil alone last year. I mean, I, I know he had a quiet year and whatnot. Um, yeah, and yeah, I know it's kind of been brought up a little bit here in the last week or so, the whole compensatory debate, you know, pick debate about should the Colts let their free agents walk and get some compensatory picks for 2022 because you don't, you aren't expected to have your first round pick for, for, for 2022. Counter to that in a couple ways. First off, I don't think the Colts free agents are going to all of a sudden go elsewhere and get mega deals that get you third or fourth round compensatory picks. You know, you'd be looking at fifth, sixth, seventh round compensatory picks. Secondly, you, you still need some guys. Like, you can't just be relying on cap casualties from other teams mm-hmm. to fill the roles that Autry and Houston and Rhodes and Hilton and, you know, these guys are now void as well. I do think something that will be interesting to watch is if you get to the draft and you trade back, instead of train, trading back to, re, to reprieve the third-round pick that you're sending to Philly this year, do you trade back for a future second in 2022? Thinking you don't have that first round pick next year. Right. Now you have two seconds. You could go, you know, do something with, with that. I think those are some things that, that pop into it. But no, Clowney, injury history is weird. It, Clowney's just weird. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. Wake Spike, with the carousel of QBs and head coaches being fired after only a year or two, do you think this will create chaos to the league with players and QBs chasing the next? year's hot team or will it die out when teams with a more methodical approach have sustained success you know wake i don't i'm not really sure the hot team i mean are are people chasing the hot i mean russell wilson put the bears on his list what's hot about that you know i mean like you put he had some teams on there i was like wait what the raiders um i'll continue to say to achieve sustained success the easiest way is to draft and be drafted by that team you know, and so I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't think you see as much chasing like you do in other sports. And again, you talked about the NBA earlier. The NBA, you can, with three guys, you can all of a sudden be an NBA championship team. You saw right. That with the Heat, we see, we see with wherever Brooklyn right now, LeBron goes. You know, but with the NFL, you need too many guys, and with the salary cap the way it is, you can't just bring in seven, eight guys one year that are all monsters and and win right away like you can in the NBA. Yeah, so. that's chasing rings a little bit different in yeah. this sport than, you know, okay, you're the best player on the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates, now you join the Yankees. It's just, it, it doesn't work that way with the salary yeah. cap structure. Andrew Barry got asked that a few days ago and gave a great answer. I Check that out if you guys are super into that. Drew, what would the Colts consider, or would the Colts consider kicking the tires on Von Miller? I don't think so. I think the injuries, especially last year, Substantial, and I talked a little bit about early down. I mean, I do think that matters to a degree, so 
No, for that price tag of the injuries, I would say no. Jason, how much do players defer to agents versus making sure their wishes are the primary agenda in negotiations, i.e., say Nelson and Leonard really want to stay in Indy? How much does the agent pull back on the dollars to make sure it happens? I mean, Ryan, this would maybe be a good one for you. I, I don't think as much as you would think. Like, maybe a little bit, but like we were talking about earlier, that agent wants to, first off, he wants to show future clients what he's done. And also, there's like an obligation among the agency world of Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard are going to set the market for future linebackers and, and offensive linemen. Like, they need to go get the amount of dollar. Like, it was kind of funny. Andrew Luck, I think, had a quote about this when he signed the, the highest paid deal in 2016 or 20, whatever that was, of like, you know, I yeah, my uncle's my agent, but like, I kind of got to help out the other quarterbacks around the league. Like, mm-hmm. You've got to push the bar up. And help your other guys. So I get the question, but I don't think as much as you would think. Yeah, no, I would agree. And like you said, Nelson and Lennon right now are at the peak of their positions. Whereas you look at Jack Doyle a couple of years ago, and that's a unique circumstance where it's a guy that absolutely positively wants to stay here. Right. While he was very good back then, he wasn't a top five player at his position. And he wasn't, um, and he, he was really good, but he wasn't Travis Kelsey. So it's no. like, it, it was the perfect mix to say, hey, I want to stay here, Colts be fair, I'll be fair, whereas, um, you know, with the Nelson and Leonard situation, um, it's, they're they're so elite and need to set the bar for, for future guys at their positions, so. What do you got, six, six more left? Yeah, like um, maybe a few more than that. JJ, Ursay says he wants to win multiple Super Bowls. Last Lombardi was in 2007, coming into the fifth year of the Ballard regime, Ballard says they are not a Super Bowl team now, but the Super Bowl window might be starting to crack open. This doesn't sound like a franchise focused on winning the Super Bowl. Ballard's record is 32-32. and 32. He sets a value for each player and won't ever go above that number. He rarely goes after highly skilled free agents. They roll over lots of unused cap space every year. He's only used two first-round picks in the four drafts. Of his 37 draft picks, only 15 were in the first three rounds and 22 were in rounds four through seven. What is the desire for ex- Where is the desire for excellence? Have they been trying for a Super Bowl or looking for several years of being average? Or, to put it another way, how would the fans have reacted had Ballard said at his first press conference, we won't win the division or sniff the Super Bowl in the first four years, but by year five, we might be two years away from being two years away? Whew. I need a nap. Man, that's a lot. Sorry I put you through that. No. Um, Insightful, but that was a lot. So JJ loves, you know, JJ's in the kitchen just stern. <laughs> you know, she she's our Emeril Lagasse. She's just throwing a little bam in there and she does, you know, she she, she brings room. this. Um, <laughs> I mean, to the last point, fans would have been like, what the hell, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And the old two years away from two years away is the greatest NBA Fran Fraschilla draft quote in the history of the league. I still yeah. I still don't think that guy's in the league. Um, JJ, I understand wholeheartedly where you're coming from with a lot of this. I'll, I'll say this. Ballard looked at Jim Irsay and said, you got to be patient. And Jim Irsay made a mistake. Um, Tom Allen bumping up that annual contract to $4.9 hmm. Um The first mistake Irsay made was saying Chuck Pagano will be your head coach for 2017. Yes, 100%. So now you're delaying the rebuild there. Where you really delayed it is you play a drastically different defense than what Chris Bauer wants to play. So now you got to rebuild the defense. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew Luck said, later, 
I'm going to go fish on Eagle Creek. <laughs> and now you're, you know, dealing with that issue. So to your point, the time is now, JJ. Like it is now. The the excuses, the um, whatever you want to call it, it's over. Um, Ursay allowed Chris Bauer to be patient, but let's go. I mean, you, we're now four drafts into it. You know, we're now four free agencies into it. Here's Carson Wentz, and you got to go. So I, I understand where you're coming from, JJ, with a lot of what you're saying. Obviously, the what you've been the final eight team in the playoff once in the Chris Bowd era, mm-hmm. I guess, the Kansas City playoff loss. So, yeah, totally understand it. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to acknowledge it's a little bit outside of Ballard, too. Ursay did hold on to Chuck for one more year because he loved Chuck and was emotionally tied to him. And then Andrew did his thing. And, and I, I think we have to acknowledge that. We can acknowledge that. And we can also sit here and say, like, let's, let's go. I mean, this is the seat is starting, you know, you know, I, I didn't have seat warmers until you know a few years ago when I got a new car, boy, that thing gets hot quick. I, I don't know if it's out at high, but it's kind of at the low, you know, it's starting to warm up a little bit there. It's like, you know, kind of that 30-degree 30, 30 morning, and, and you're still a little soft, you know, and so you got to get it up just low there. I think I think that's where we're at. Just, just starting to warm. Starting to warm. Creighton here is going to put you on the spot. Lots of teams releasing some older vets on teams. Colts have to release an older vet. Who and why would it be? Creighton, I, and you know me, I never cop out from, from questions. I literally don't know who it would be. Go back to what I said earlier. Ryan Grigson, bad drafts, 2013, 14, 15, 16. That's where your bad contracts come from. Or mistakes in free agency in 2017, 18. And, and like, they, they just don't make mistakes contractually, I think, in free agency. Um, if you really want to nitpick, the two out there would probably be Jack Doyle and Glowinski. But, again, I, why would you cut them? There's no point. They, they, they you, don't need the cap money. Cap they don't. Cap. Well, the, you could argue that they might need it if you want to be greedy, but they need those players, right? That's <laughs> like I mean. those players are more important than the money you would save. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's where I think you look at it, and and they just don't have bad contracts. So those would be the two you would even name. But I sit here and say you'd be foolish to cut either of those guys. You know where you are at depth wise with uh, both those positions. Stan, do you think? The gamble on Carson Wentz affects the team building this offseason. Can we expect left tackle and pass catchers to receive more attention than expected relative to defensive end and cornerback? Obviously, we would like to fix everything, but do the priorities shift? Yeah, Stan, as always, great insight. Um, You know what I said last week, got to build confidence in Carson. So maybe it shifts slightly. Now, that goes against a little bit of Chris's M.O., you know, when he's saying a little bit of – he loves trenches, and, and pass catchers would fall in that first category, according to Stan. So I think it shifts slightly, but not a whole lot. Because, you know, I still think if you can provide a good defense for him, that alleviates a little bit of the what's on his plate offensively. John, this is a long one. Kevin, I think the Colts should be aggressive in getting a premium pass rusher this offseason. If we want to really see the value of what Buckner brings to the table, we need another guy who is double-team worthy. Two guys worthy of double teams either forces opposing offenses to keep a tight end back or leaves someone special with one blocker to beat. 
That's not even mentioning the value and leaving the other two linemen with one-on-ones as well. My question is, do you think going and getting Shaq Barrett is worth it knowing it would probably put us over $100 million in 2023 between Wentz, Buckner, Barrett, Leonard, and Nelson? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what John said there early on. Shaq Barrett, I, I don't know. I think Tampa really wants to bring him back. Um, I'm with you, John. I, I don't think they will, but I think they should. And I get it. That's a lot of money at those spots. But if you believe in the trenches, as much as Chris Ballard believes in it, and and also, I throw Braden Smith into that group, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about Buckner, Barrett, Leonard, Nelson. Um, if you believe in the trenches, the front seven, whatever, um, I think you do it. Brian, hey, Kevin, do the Colts bring in a fullback this offseason? Oh, I hope. I love fullbacks. Who's your favorite fullback, Ryan? Uh, Tom Lipinski. God, I knew he was going to say that. Who's yours? I love Tom Lipinski. I love every Navy fullback. I mean, Mark Edwards is my all-time favorite. Oh, Mark Edwards. My favorite Colts also because he played yeah. the game. But Mark Edwards is hands down my favorite. Number 44. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've always had a little soft spot for All-Star. Yeah, that's fair. You know, boiler action. I think he, he had some, like, kid or something at Mooresville. Offensive lineman that's going to play at Purdue, I think. Um, Pretty sure. A hyphenated last name. So I, 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 don't, I don't know the relationship. But, um, God, I love fullbacks. Another blast from the past question. Tanner, just a random question for the next podcast. Who would have had a better career if they had stayed relatively healthy? Congressman Anthony Gonzalez mm. or Austin Collie? Oh, boy. Um, my gut says Collie. I know he's a later pick, but what, I don't know. What do you got? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, Gonzalez you, you, you would that, probably know that a little bit better. Yeah, Gonzalez just had those devastating uh, injuries early in his career. Obviously, a first-round pick out of Ohio State. Um, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Gonzalez, but, um, great debate. Similar players that, uh, sadly never reached the peak of their careers with those injuries. So in Kali, man, that guy just kept pushing mm. and pushing and those head injuries. Was I mean, him, scary stuff. he was better than Garcon, you know, early on. Yeah. I know Garcon was a later pick and Garcon obviously blossomed eventually, but mm-hmm. I'll go with Kali. Okay. Two more to go. Dalton, if you could only read, listen, and follow one rider on the Colts beat, who would it be? <laughs> Dalton, you trying to get me in trouble? Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that's a dangerous path for me to go down, Ryan. Uh, I can just see them firing in the group text yeah. if, uh, if they get wind of this. What? Yeah, I I might defer this to you. You got anything here? Oh gosh, uh, that is. And I know you're you are you are friends friends with a few of them as well, so this could be. Yeah, I um, I sadly feel like I'm going to plead the fifth as well. Oh, um, God. So they all bring something different to the table. Okay. I will agree with that. I, I'll say this. Um, there is – go ahead, or I can say – No, uh, I'll go first. The Athletic, well worth your subscription. For sure. We love – we both love reading that. I think they do. Not just for the Colts content, but all their content. Right, but but I, I think Zach and Steven do a tremendous yep. job there. Obviously, Wells is national headline-centric. That's ESPN, you know, that's a job. You know, that's what ESPN wants. And I, I really think – the star i mean i think jim and joel do a really really good job um george brimmer is outstanding i'm trying to think of the other daily beat people chap has got the history like like none other um yeah i think a lot depends on your flavor like you know like you just said are you uh, a guy that loves the that's maybe been around for a while and loves the history stuff or are you a young guy that wants to learn the history then chap was your guy if you're really into the long features i mean zach Kiefer's phenomenal right. with that kind of stuff and you know, i think Bremer's a huge Twitter guy, and 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of flavor of the month. You know, I've always told my, I've told you guys this. I'm not <laughs> anywhere near the best feature writer, and I don't really care about breaking news. So I'm gonna try and react, provide both sides of it, Colt's side of it, my side of it, and let you guys think. Like that's my biggest thing is like let the listener, the consumer, think about. Okay, that's interesting. I strongly disagree with that. I agree with it. Whatever. Um, and that's how I kind of go about it and try to give you, you know, pretty consistent daily beat, but I really think it's a good beat. It's, it's, it's flavor of the month. Um, Dalton, you'd have to give me, you know, a couple shots of something for me to give you my, okay, here's a related question, <laughs> which I'll make you answer. Who would be your favorite Twitter follower, uh, in, or, or writer in football and then writer in all sports. We'll take out all your Colts guys. You know who I really like is, um, what's his name? Kevin, um, I gotta look it up, Kevin. Uh, for the for the ringer, um, yes, he wrote Kevin Clark. Really good Andrew Luck piece. Kevin Clark does an outstanding job. Um, for the ringer, uh, best follow on Twitter. Yeah, I really enjoy this college basketball podcast. Matt Norlander and Gary Parish. They're they're really funny college basketball duo. Um, you know, I think he's a great follow on Twitter. Derek Schultz, local personality here. I think he's pretty funny, but also brings some substance when he needs to as well. How about you? Who, who, who am I forgetting? Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think Pete Sampson, Notre Dame for the Athletic, is a really, really good writer. I enjoy him. Um, it's funny. Like, I don't really tweet. Like, I don't know. I don't think I tweet an absurd amount. Like you guys know, I don't really tweet much about politics, family, like things like that. Uh, but I do enjoy like when I follow some Notre Dame people that give me the blow by blow, like you know, score, time, you know, all that stuff even though I don't really do it to that degree. So maybe it's something I should change, but ah, I think you're doing just fine. All right. Our final question from Jake. Mm. Pretty sure you haven't had a golf question since training camp. And as a fellow golfer, give me your top three bucket list courses you have not played. Oh boy. Jake, we go another three hours. <laughs> um, I mean, you're going to go bucket list. You got to go home runs. Uh, Augusta. We'll go Pine Valley. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for this after the event a couple of years ago there. I would love to play Royal Melbourne. Okay. Did you think I was going to go there? I did not. I thought you were going to go Cypress Point. So. Mm, honestly, it probably would have been Band and Dunes okay. next. What, what, uh, what do you got on the bucket list? You have been afforded to play some beautiful, beautiful golf courses in your day. But uh, I know you've probably got a few on there. Yeah, I would say Augusta and Cypress would be my top two. Um yeah, and then probably like uh, one of those courses in New Zealand that's uh, so highly rated, um, Cape Kidnappers or uh, Terra Edi. Um, but uh, just like you with Royal Number, and that's a, a long way to go. But oh, boy. If we're going, we're playing like 10 times, and we'll be gone for two weeks, and uh, we'll see the wives when, when we get back. So, <laughs> yeah. love them both. Speaking of that, Rosie Bell, great effort on this nap. we got to go wake her up and hopefully get a bottle. Yeah, the uh, in her the wives are out for a walk, and we're on baby duty as we also knock out the podcast. But she's we are being a champ, multitasking right here at Ryan. As always, terrific insight. Should be a fun couple weeks here. Yeah, or a fun week. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, fun week for us, family wise, and then oh, fun yeah, couple yeah. weeks, Colts wise. Yeah. Uh, with what the month of March is going to look like, as always, we'll have plenty of content this week. I'll uh, really take a closer look at a lot of the needs, the specific high level needs that we've talked about. That'll be up on the site. And then we'll play it by ear. Next week, Chris Preston and I will be back, 
and we'll see how things go. So appreciate all you guys listening this week to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Notre Dame, get on a run in the ACC tournament.